scriptures revealed as we are continuing our journey through the book of Ephesians. Now, I have gotten great responses from last week's episode on the palace, and we walked through uh, again verse 19 in chapter 2 of Ephesians and learning what it means to be a part of the household of God, and that we learned that uh, the household of God or another name for it was My Father's House. And we unlocked some great treasures in the book of Ephesians. We even went to a conversation Jesus had with his disciples in the Gospel of John. And we talked about that whole phrase where Jesus said that he was going to prepare a place for us in his Father's house. And we kind of unlocked that and unfolded that and realized that that wasn't talking about heaven at all. Uh, that it was talking about that he was going to prepare a place for us in him. And uh, so that was amazing. If you missed last week's episode, please go back and listen to it. Uh, or if you've heard it already, go back and listen again. It is going to encourage you. It is going to just open the eyes of your understanding so that you can gain greater insight into what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, my goal today is that I am going to try to conclude chapter 2 of Ephesians. Uh, I'm excited about going into chapter 3 because chapter 3 of Ephesians is going to unlock for us the gospel like we've never heard it before. So it is going to be a great, great, great journey uh, through the mystery of the gospel is what we're going to begin to unfold. And so I want to start that next week. So I want to close out chapter 2 today, um, but I am so, so, so excited about what we're going to learn and what we are are going to embark on. Now, this week, I am using good old King James. Uh, I know I, I changed translations from week to week, so I try to let you guys know uh, what translation I'm using. But this week, I'm using good old King James uh, just because it happened to be around when I was studying. <laughs> but uh, you can use any translation you desire. But I'm going to read uh, King James today. And so we're going into Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verse 19 again, but I promise you guys I'm not going to hit it again. We spent like two weeks on that verse, uh, and so I'm going to move forward. I want to give you all my weekly reminder, though, about the power of the word, and, and I want, to, want you to know why I do this. I remind you guys about the power of the word because I believe that the more you talk about it and the more you keep it in your memory, the more you're going to be motivated, inspired, and convicted enough to continue you to submit to the word, receive it with meekness, and allow that word to change you. Over in the Old Testament, the Lord repeatedly tells the nation of Israel about building memorials and about reminding this and passing this on from generation to generation. And I believe because God understood how he created the memory of a man and that he uh, He wanted us to know that there is power in your memory. And we even talked about that uh, a couple of episodes ago about the power of man memory. And so even when God delivered the, the Israelites out of Egypt, what did he do? He established a memorial for them called Passover. Passover was not just to be instituted as another religious ritual, but it was supposed to be instituted as a memorial of deliverance. When he walked them through the uh, Jordan River and he parted the Jordan for them, the Bible says that he told them, I want you to pick stones out of that river and I want you to make those stones a memorial to pass 
passed on from generation to generation. What am I saying? I'm saying that the power of the word of God and why I'm reminding you guys is that my effort is is I'm trying to build a memorial for you guys to really be convicted and really be convinced and really be fully persuaded by the fact that the word really can change you. And life has a way of beating up on you. Life has a way of tearing you down. Life has a way of making you feel like you're not progressing as much as you think or feel like you should be progressing. And so I want to encourage you guys that if you stay committed to the word, the word is going to be committed to your transformation. I'm going to say that to you again. If you will stay committed to the word and committed to your level of devotion and committed to your level of word intake, then the word is going to be committed to your transformation. Do you know that everything in God's kingdom has a job, has an assignment, has a duty, has a responsibility, and the word is no exception. The whole duty and the responsibility of the word is to is to assist in your transformation process until you are conformed into the image of God's dear son, until you look like Christ, sound like Christ, behave like Christ, move like Christ, think like Christ, until you are the image of Christ in the earth, then the word has a continuing work to do in your life. And if you will stay committed to it, it will change, revolutionize, alter, and transform your life. So be encouraged, stay in there, and continue to allow the word to change you. So that is my weekly encouragement for you about staying committed to your devotion life and your word intake and staying devoted to allowing the word of God to change and transform you. So let's move ahead into Ephesians chapter 2 and let's pick up in verse 19. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Verse 20, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, I'm going to begin to break apart this, and I'm going to get to verses 21 and 22 as well. But I want us to know up front that the fact that the church, it says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I think that scripture alone, of course, there are other scriptures that that are going to prove this point. But that scripture alone begins to show us that it is impossible to understand Jesus if you're not going to have a good understanding of the apostolic and the prophetic. Because the you, the church, the household of God, and the church of God, and the and the kingdom of God's whole church is built, the household of faith is built on the apostles and the prophets. And so what does that mean? Because it's going to show you that the Old Testament was mainly written by prophets. Your first five books of the Bible are prophetic books. I know we like to say that the prophetic books are Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. And that is so because we like to call them prophetic because they have prophetic content that we naturally grasp. But in all uh, honesty, the Old Testament was written by prophets. The first five books of your Bible were written by one of the greatest prophets of the under the old covenant, Moses. Moses was a prophet. And so you have to understand that even when Moses writes the book of Genesis, he gets the book of Genesis on Mount Sinai. Moses wasn't at the beginning of the world. Have you ever thought about that? Moses was not at the beginning. He was not there on the first day of creation. He wasn't there when Adam and Eve walked the 
planet. He wasn't there when Noah walked the earth. He wasn't there when Abraham, the great father of our faith, was walking the planet. But Moses goes into him during those 40 days on the mountain. Moses gets detail about the temple and the tabernacle in the wilderness. And God discloses to him the revelation of the origins of the beginning. And Moses writes the book of Genesis from Mount Sinai. <laughs> So that is a prophetic book. So that means that if you're going to get clarity and understanding about the book of Genesis, then you must have an understanding of the prophetic and you must read it with a prophetic eye and with a prophetic anointing and a prophetic grace on your life. And so the, 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 not saying that anybody, because we all, the Bible says we all desire to prophesy. So there's an element of the prophetic giving to all believers, but it's, it's important to understand that the Old Testament was written by prophets. You come out of the first five books of the Bible. And then you go into uh, Samuel, who, and you have these books and Kings and Chronicles that were written by scribes, but these were scribes that were closely associated with the prophets. You get to Samuel, you got the, uh, Samuel who established the school of the prophets. So the first education system we have in the Bible is, is established under the institution of the prophetic. And so a whole, the, what we understand about building a school system and building education and even the whole teaching ministry comes out of the institution of the prophetic we see that so we we learn that that our foundation is built on the apostles and the prophets now we move over to the new testament uh, because you know you can continue to journey through the old and look at all the prophets david the bible calls him is a prophet and, and so we have to look at psalms and we have to look at job and we have to look at all of that from a prophetic lens we have to look at the old testament through a prophetic lens because everything in the old is pointing to jesus everything in the new is building on jesus you get that I'm going to say that to you again. Everything in the old is pointing to Jesus. Everything in the new is building on Jesus. You see, you see the, the contrast pointing and building because the New Testament are all written by apostles. Is all apostolic. You want apostolic doctrine? Then you need to digest the New Testament. It needs to be your daily bread. If you want to be apostolic, then surely you are devouring the New Testament because the whole of the New Testament in your Bible is apostolic. It's written by apostles. They are all building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. All in the old, they are pointing to the manifestation of Jesus Christ. All right? Prophets are going to push you into Christ's manifestation. Apostles are going to build you on who he is. They're going to build on who Jesus is. Prophets are going to point you towards the manifestation of who he is. All right. So that's free. But that that you get that out of that context. But I'm going to show you something else slightly different in this book. And I don't want to run out of time. But look at this. It says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, we see this repeated over and over and over again in the scriptures. There are breadcrumbs about Jesus being the chief cornerstone in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and various places. Now, I want to give you just a natural understanding of what a chief cornerstone is. That is not just a religious term, but it is an actual thing. Is that the chief cornerstone is this, is when you are building a house, because remember, we are of the household of God. So keep that in mind. But when you are building a house or you're building a building. In other words, you are edifying it. You are building it up. When you are building it up, you and you're building the walls, 
if you're going to join two walls together, what they use, if you're building a solid structure, is you put a cornerstone. You put a stone in the middle of, of the of that those two walls, and it helps those walls when you build them up so that they have stability, so that they, they don't fall, so that they're not easily blown over. So the cornerstone is the stone you put in between two walls so that it has stability now watch this so the bible says that jesus is the chief cornerstone he is the thing he is the one that god is building the walls of his house on he is building his house he is building you but the reason the way you're going to be held up my god the way you're going to be made sure that you are not blown over and you are not tossed to and fro is that god puts christ in you the hope of glory (laughs) That is it. He is the chief cornerstone. He puts Christ in you. And so Christ is in you, not just so that you can run around the church and shout and dance, but Christ is in you to make sure you have stability, to make sure that you are sure, to make sure that you are, that you have a God you can be confident in and to make sure that life does not blow you down and blow you away. Now, I'm going to um, bring greater insight to that. I want you to hold your finger there in Ephesians uh, chapter two, and I want us to look at the prophet is going to uh, point us to this in the book of Isaiah. Paul is an apostle. So Paul is building on this in the book of Ephesians. I want us to go back and look at the prophets and watch how the prophets pointed to the manifestation of Jesus being the, the chief cornerstone and what it's going to show you because I think it's going to bless your life. Go to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. In this chapter, in Isaiah 28, we have uh, the prophet beginning to release uh, a judgment of God uh, to the nation of Israel. Because uh, and, and the chapter starts out with addressing them as a people of pride, as a people of pride. And watch this. I want you to notice this uh, trajectory here is that I want you to notice how this flows is that the prophet Isaiah he begins to address the pride of a nation. And then in his addressing their pride, he begins to identify that pride has led them into idolatry. Because wherever you find pride, you are going to find idols. All right, I'm going to say that to you again. Wherever you find pride, you are going to find idols. And wherever you find idols, you are going to find pride. So the prophet comes and he begins to rebuke the nation and its leaders. He starts with the leaders of a nation and he begins to address the leadership because watch this. Wherever the leaders go, so goes the people who follow them. Now, that's pretty simple and pretty basic, but but I want you to grab that in order for to grasp where we're headed. So wherever the leaders go, so goes the people who follow them. So the prophet begins to rebuke the leaders for their pride, for leading the people into idolatry. And, and as a result of the pride and idolatry, I want you to pay attention to what happened here. Look in verse 14 of Isaiah 28. It says, wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people, which is in Jerusalem. Because, pay attention to this, verse 15. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion, 
Zion is is a type of of the New Testament church. Okay, so behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Now we got a little bit more to read, but let me pause here and bring this together for you. What is going on? Is that the prophet stands up and he rebukes the leaders, the people who rules over this nation for their pride, for their establishment of of idolatry in the nation, and this is this. This is what happened. He said, you all have made a covenant with death. All right. Pay attention to me. You all have made a covenant with death and you've made an agreement with hell and you have uh, made lies your refuge and, and falsehoods as, as your hiding places. And to think that it is going to protect you from the judgment of God, from the dealings of God and from what God has intended for your life. He said you made a covenant with death. You made a covenant with death. Now, let me bring this down home to you. When you are in pride, when you have idols in your life, and when your life is not surrendered, fully surrendered and committed to the Lord, then you in turn make a covenant with death. Watch this. Because death entered the world through disobedience. Watch this. Death entered the world through disobedience. We would not know death if we had not known disobedience. So death is always associated with disobedience. So what happened was he said, you made a covenant with death and you came into agreement with hell because of your level of disobedience to the Lord God. Your disobedience brought you into covenant. It brought you into partnership with death and it brought you into partnership with hell. And and if you remember, if you go back over to the book of Ephesians, you learn that you once were separated from God. You once did, you had no hope. You were not a part of the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers and you were aliens, which means you had made a covenant with death and that you had made a covenant with hell and that you were in agreement with it. And what happened was when you are in agreement with death and hell, then that means your life is bound by a spirit of disobedience. The the apostle Paul puts it this way, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. It's a spirit of disobedience that operates in you because your life is not fully surrendered and fully committed to God. And the reason why it's not fully surrendered is because you're not fully in love with him and you're not fully in love with him because you've made a covenant with death and you've come into agreement with hell. But watch this. God's response to that was that I'm going to lay a cornerstone in Zion. (laughs) God says, you know what? I know death has had a right to your life because you made a covenant with it. And I know hell has a right to your life because you've come in agreement with it. And I know falsehoods and lies have been covering your life and you've been hiding behind lies, lies about who you are, lies about what you have the ability to accomplish, lies about who you can become and transform into. You know, every type of bondage is wrapped up in a lie, just like all freedom is, is connected to truth. All bondage is wrapped up in a lie and all liberty is wrapped up in truth. So if you are bound by something, it is because somewhere at some point you have believed a lie. You have believed a lie. Why? Because the Bible says that all 
once you have been grafted in and um, and been born again and been regenerated, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have been rebirthed and old things have passed away and all things have become new. So if old things are still trying to creep up in your life, somewhere a lie and a falsehood is covering you. A lie and a falsehood is guiding you. A lie and a falsehood is directing and dominating and governing your life. But God says, my antidote for that is that I'm going to put a cornerstone and I'm going to put a precious stone and I'm going to put a tried stone in Zion. And the chief cornerstone is going to do what? Let's keep reading. Let's keep keep reading verse 17. It says, Judgment also will I lay to the land, and righteousness to the plummet, and the hell shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place. I want you to pay attention to that because a sidebar, just just uh, something to add on to it, that sometimes what we think is hell and sometimes what we think is disaster and destruction, the Lord is trying to blow away the lies that have been your refuge because you will never achieve purpose and destiny as long as lies remain your refuge. What's a lie? What is a lie? Is when God is saying, hey, I want you to write the book. And the lie says, well, I'm not a good writer. That's a lie. If God is giving you something, then you need, then know that you have within you the ability to do it. Whether you need to take classes, whether you need to go get skills, whatever you need to do, stop living your life based on a lie. If God says you, you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to go there and you're supposed to become this, then somewhere you've got to stop believing the lie that you can't and start doing what you know to do to develop into who God has made and called you to be. So he says, all of this, I'm going to send hell and it's going to sweep away the refuge of lies. I'm going to allow the waters to overflow the hiding place, the hiding place of falsehood. Watch this in verse 18. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled and your agreement with hell shall not stand. He said, I'm going to put the chief cornerstone there because I want to disannul your covenant with death. All right. Now let's go jump back over to Ephesians chapter two. And let's pull this together. Ephesians two says, Then now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. What is Paul saying? He said, you were strangers, you were foreigners, you were separate from God, you were far away from God, but now God is building you into a habitation place for him. And he's building that in you upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and he's doing it based on Jesus Christ being the corner cornerstone. Because what I, God is doing in this, when God begins to make you his place of habitation, he has to disannul your covenant with death. He has to break your agreement with hell and show you that there is life for you. There is purpose for you. There is destiny for you. There is intent for you. But I've got to disannul your covenant with death, which is why he says, real quick, real quick, go over to Matthew 16. You're going to see this again. Matthew 16. Jesus says in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and some Jeremiah, or some or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is building on exactly what the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 28. He said, who do y'all say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And then he says, you're right, Peter, but you are Peter. In other words, you are a small rock. Why is that? Because Peter was to be an apostle. And remember, we are built on the foundation of the of the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. So he, so Jesus is doing a play on words here because Peter is, is a small rock. And, and then Jesus says, but I'm going to build on the massive rock. Jesus, I'm going to build. What's the massive rock? Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. But Peter, I'm going to put you in that foundation as an apostle. And, I, and I'm going to put myself in there as the chief cornerstone. And when I do, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell. You know, in another, if you look at that word in the Greek, the gates of hell, we're talking about the gates of death, the gates of death. We see Jesus saying, I'm going to disannul the covenant death had with you. The agreement hell had for you. Hell had an agreement for your life. Hell has an assignment for your life. Death has an assignment and a destiny for your life. But when you get born again and you become a part of the household of God and you allow God to build you into his habitation, Jesus says, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to change and alter your destiny. I'm going to change the intent for your life. I know what happened in your bloodline, but the chief cornerstone has come to disannul it. I know what is attached to your last name, but the chief cornerstone has come to disannul that covenant. That covenant with death has been disannulled, and now you are free and liberated to be God's habitation place. You are supposed to be an exact image of the Lord Jesus Christ walking the planet today. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how hard life has seemed. Your covenant with death has been disannulled. Your agreement with hell has been broken. That refuge of lies has been shattered. And that hiding place of falsehoods has been overflown by the waters of the word of the Lord. And Jesus Christ has come in as the chief cornerstone to make you uh, sure and make you confident and make you uh, have perseverance and make you be able to stand the storms of life because your destiny has changed. Your purpose has changed. Your intent has changed. You are now no longer in agreement with death and hell, but you are in agreement with the plans and the purposes of God for your life. So let me finish Ephesians this, uh, the last two verses, and I'm going to let you guys go. So watch this. You've been altered, you've been changed and transformed, and whom, verse 21, and whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. I love that. We, we are growing into God's holy temple. And whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. What is Paul saying? That your purpose has changed. You don't, you no longer have an agreement with hell and death, but now you have an agreement with the great God Jehovah. Now you have been rescued from death. Now you have been rescued from hell. And now you are a habitation of God through the power of the Spirit of Christ. 
Now God is residing on the inside of you. And if God is going to influence the world today, he wants to do it through you. You don't have to be bound by where you've been. You don't have to be bound by the lies you've been told all your life and the lies you've told yourself all your life. That covenant has been disannulled. And now you have a new covenant. And that covenant is you are in agreement with God. You are in agreement with heaven that you are God's habitation place on the earth. And the earth is going to be filled with God's glory because you are going to become a distribution center of the glory of God. Because that is where his glory resides. His glory resides in the temple. And you are the temple of the Lord God Almighty. Well, saints, I am out of time again this week, but we have concluded chapter two Ephesians and we are just going to rejoice in the fact that hell does not get a say so in my life. Death does not get the final authority in my life, but I come into agreement with heaven and I come into agreement with God that I'm going to let all of heaven shine through me. I'm going to let all the glory of God just be released through my life and so that I can live out God's purposes, God's plans and God's intent for me. So guys, thank you for joining me. Don't forget to go to my website, rickywatsonjr.com to make sure you are on my mailing list. I am sending out things weekly to encourage you guys. So be sure to sign up for that. Be sure to, to share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with anybody that you feel like they are hungry for the word of God and it is time for their lives to go to the next level of transformation in him. So I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place for Scriptures Revealed. Love you guys. 